0: reinstated the nothing personal word of the day it's Friday December 23rd 2022 the second to last Friday of the entire year where has it gone reinstated out of nowhere I'm just sitting there last night everything's great I'm watching something some sort of movie oh I started maybe watching Inside Man on Netflix not the one with Clive Owen the new Stanley Tucci miniseries and I get a request not from Coca. Normally Coca's the first to give me breaking news. This time it was someone from CBS Sports who was looking to book me to talk about something. When I get a text from a people, in this case it was Justin, it's not, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Are you having a good night? What are you having for dinner? It's, hey, I need you on the air in two minutes. And I write back, I'm available. And then I look, Trevor Bauer has been reinstated by an independent arbitrator. Trevor Bauer, the same pitcher. Do you remember him? The one who took the ball from Terry Francona on Cleveland and threw it into the stands? The one who then signed that three-year deal with the Dodgers for $102 million that had an opt-out that at that time when it was signed was an outrageous sum of money for a pitcher, not like the $43 million given to Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer. This was Trevor Bauer with his agent. I think he has Rachel Luba as an agent and lawyers and a bunch of other things. And then the accusations that were levied against him, no criminal charges, crazy posts back and forth for some sort of sexual deviant behavior that may or may not have included assault, choking. She wanted it. She didn't want it. He wanted it. He didn't want it. And I told you that there was going to be a lot coming down the pike, starting with he was going to get on administrative leave, which means the Dodgers, keep in mind, were paying Trevor Bauer not to pitch. That's what administrative leave is. Then Rob Manford concluded the investigation after way too long and suspended Trevor Bauer for 324 games, the longest suspension ever given under the domestic violence uh, policy in Major League Baseball. Two years. The minute he was suspended, he stops getting paid. On administrative leave, he was getting paid by the Dodgers. Under suspension, he was not getting paid. What does Trevor Bauer do? Of course, what players do when there's no negotiated settlement of how long you're going to be suspended, you appeal. The way the appeal works in baseball, there's an independent arbitrator that is agreed to by a team, by the league, and by the player and the player agent and the union. You sit in front, whether it's Zoom these days, it used to be in person, when we did them, we would go to a room actually in New York, but it may have been on Zoom. You present your case to the arbitrator, what your findings are. It's almost like a court of law without evidentiary rules, without true sort of objections and type of things like that in an arbitration. MLB says this was appropriate. The Players Association had to argue on behalf of Trevor Bowers saying zero games are appropriate. But, of course, you know how suspensions work. We say it all the time. When someone gets suspended five games for throwing at a hitter, they suspend it, and it comes back. It's been reduced to four games or three games. I gave you a way to see back in April of this year, April nineteenth, two 2022 of this year, that with this appeal, Trevor Bauer's suspension is going to be reduced to being 120 to 200 games. That's what I told you was going to happen. Baseball knew it when they suspended him for 324. You looked at me askance. You listened to me sideways. And yesterday, the independent arbitrator ruled that the suspension of Trevor Bauer will be 194 games. Price is right, baby. I got it right there. I hit it. It's no laughing matter. It's the longest suspension ever and now it's done there's no more appealing he is suspended for 194 games but here's the kicker of the decision by the arbitrator which by the way is final there is no appealing it there is no going to court you waive all rights of doing that during these appeals he got time served time served means they counted his days on administrative leave they counted his days of the suspension that he'd been serving until this appeal was heard and it was ruled that he is ready to go ready to play come opening day of the 2023 season victory but there was another part of the ruling regarding what his fine will be and what his lost salary will be keep in mind that he got a three-year 102 million dollar deal from the Dodgers He will have been paid $64.5 million by the Dodgers by the end of 2023. When you do the math of what the suspension is of the 194 games, the math is that he had a fine of $37.5 million. That's the amount of lost salary that they calculated that he was going to lose out of the 102. 102 that means the Dodgers are on the hook for $64.5 million for Trevor Bauer. Whether he pitches another game for them or not, they've got to pay him $64.5 million. Basically, he made $20 million a year for three years instead of what was going to be $34 million a year. Why is it so important? because the Dodgers have been operating in the dark as it relates to their luxury tax bill. They didn't know their luxury tax payroll. They didn't know how many dollars needed to be secreted away to get paid to Trevor Bauer. It also impacts revenue sharing, because the amount of revenue the Dodgers have is not the sole calculation used to figure out the amount of money the Dodgers pay into the revenue sharing system. Their entire finances were up in the air until this decision was laid out by the arbitrator. So how does it work mechanically? Mechanically, Trevor Bauer is going to be paid for about 110 games this year. What the arbitrator said is, we are going to dock his pay 50 games of 2023 and 140 games of 2022 adding up to 194 games. Because when you're suspended under the domestic violence policy, you don't get paid. So 194 games are lost of salary. That equals $37.5 million. But the way it's split is 50 games this year and then 144 games last year. So Trevor Bauer was due to make $32 million this year. That was his pay for the year but he's only getting paid for 110 games. Therefore, the Dodgers only owe him about $22 million this year. So the Dodgers have just signed a $22 million free agent on a one-year deal named Trevor Bauer. That is the amount of money that they owe in cash. From a luxury tax standpoint, they have increased their luxury tax payroll overnight buy that 22 million dollars but the Dodgers have said without saying the real words just like I told you in August of 2021 when this first happened August 2nd 2021 a wait to see said to you that Trevor Bauer will never wear a Dodger uniform again rumors are already out that the Dodgers plan to release Trevor Bauer the minute he is reinstated Well, he has been reinstated. The reason why you haven't seen the Dodgers release him yet is they have until January 4th or so, about another week and a half, to actually put him on the roster. Remember what I told you about that computer that we all carry around? That computer which has the roster of all 30 teams? That computer which has 40 players on your team roster and then 26 on your active team roster? and how you cannot sign a free agent and put him on your roster if there's no room without getting rid of a player. It just happened. It just happened in Boston. Boston added a player to their roster. They couldn't do it before designating for assignment Eric Hosmer. When you designate a player for assignment, that means that you have 10 days to trade him or release him. But either way, the minute you designate that player, he is off your roster and you can then add a player so you're back at your 40. So the Red Sox had to get rid of Eric Cosmer in order to add the player they added. The Dodgers have until January 4th to add Trevor Bauer to the roster. He will be added to the roster. They've got to make room for him to be added. They cannot release him or designate him until he's reinstated back on the roster. So the mechanics are they're going to add him back to the roster, then immediately designate him for assignment. Now, you could be telling me, but David, they need pitching. They got Bueller out on Tommy John. They got the Padres who have fired up. They have got the Giants who got uh, Rodon, and they got Correa, and they got Judge. So the Giants are totally back in it. The Padres got Mantle and Ruth and Gehrig, and they're back in it. So the Dodgers could use someone to pair with Dustin May and Walker Bueller, the Tommy John pair, Right now, they're looking at Urias and Kershaw. Nope, it's not going to happen. I'm saying it again. Trevor Bauer will not pitch for the Dodgers. What does MLB do when they get that result? They get statements ready. They announce it through a statement. But they're also talking to the Dodgers before the statement comes out. They're also figuring out exactly what is going to happen with the player why do i say that's so important in this case trevor bauer has shown to be extremely litigious trevor bauer has shown that he will fight anything both in the press through his twitter account which is significant i mean not as it relates to messi or ronaldo but as it relates to most mlb players it's pretty significant I don't know if he's number one, Coca, but he's certainly in the top 10, I would think, of baseball Twitter followers, and he uses them. His agent is whatever you want to say about his agent, but she also enjoys the press. So MLB has to get together and figure out what are we going to say in the announcement, and then what are we telling the Dodgers to do? Now, MLB telling teams to do something, you're going to say that never happens. Okay, I'm not going to tell you it happens. And then I'm going to tell you to go to nothing personal with David Sampson. And then I'm going to tell you to look right at my face when I do this. I may have just closed my left eye while doing a horse call. I can't do my right eye. Absolutely no ability. Can you wink with both eyes? I try to do the facial gesture to wink with my right eye and my right eye won't close. Even at night. Isn't that weird? No, no, not that guy. You ever slept with someone who sleeps with their eyes open? Now that's weird. Okay, so. The Dodgers have to figure out a way to get rid of Bauer. Ideally, they would see if another team is going to pay his $22 million. Baseball says to the Dodgers, there is no team who's going to pick him up off waivers. When you designate a player for assignment and put that player through waivers, you are making that player at his contract available to the other 29 teams. And it's done in an order, reverse order of worst record, If you have the first worst record, you have a chance to take this player and he's yours. You don't have to trade anyone for him. You get Trevor Bauer, but you get him as is. And as is, is $20 million for this coming year. $22 million. 29 teams are going to say no. So forget that. The Dodgers are aware that they're going to have to pay $22 million. The only savings that they can get is if another team signs him as a free agent, because once no team claims him, he becomes a regular free agent, like everybody else. The way Verlander was, the way Rodon was, the way Andrew Heaney was. Any team can sign him. But the cool part is, when you sign Trevor Bauer, you can sign him to the league minimum, because he's already getting his $22 million from the Dodgers. The only way Trevor Bauer gets more than $22 million is if in free agency, a team says, I will give you a two-year deal. I will pay you the league minimum this year because you're getting money from the Dodgers. And then next year, I'll pay you $30 million. So we'll sign a two-year, $30.7 million contract. A team could sign him to a two-year, $60 million contract. And guess what would happen? Instead of 30 and 30 year one and year two, the team who signs him to a two-year $60 million contract would only have to pay him $8 million this year because he'd be getting 22 from the Dodgers. You can't double dip. Then he'd get $30 million next year. I'm not even making it a wait to see because nobody's giving Trevor Bauer a multi-year contract. He hasn't pitched in a couple of years. He is an absolute juice is not worth the squeeze player. You have no idea how your fan base is going to react. You have no idea how your sponsors are going to react. It's a brand new world out there as it should be, as it finally is. No way that happens. He only gets a one-year deal from someone in free agency if the fan base and the sponsors have already been able to voice their outrage to the extent there is outrage. If you are interested in Trevor Bauer as another owner in Major League Baseball, you are getting it out there in the press that you are signing Trevor Bauer. Not from you. It's unknown sources. Sources say for teams interested in Trevor Bauer. Or you call a member of the media and say, if you're writing a Trevor Bauer article and you're mentioning a bunch of teams, mention our team too. The reason why you want your team mentioned in a where will Trevor Bauer play article is that you wanna see what the reaction is. You're looking at comments, you're looking at what you're hearing from your constituents, what you're hearing from your community. I had taken the position that Trevor Bauer would never pitch another game in Major League Baseball. My concern is that I'm wrong. My concern is given the arms races that are going on, giving the amount of money that is being paid to pitchers these days of questionable quality. There could be owners out there who say, you know what, why not me? Why not now? Why not give a second chance? It's not like I'm being Jimmy Haslam. I'm not taking Deshaun Watson and guaranteeing him two hundred and thirty million dollars—the greatest amount of money ever guaranteed to a quarterback. I'm not giving Trevor Bauer above forty-three million dollars a year AAV. God, would I love Trevor to ask for that? Oh my God, that'd be the greatest if his agent would come out. Hold on. Side note, Coca. If his agent comes out with a statement that says Trevor Bauer belongs in Major League Baseball. And on top of that, he deserves to again take his place as the highest paid pitcher in Major League Baseball. That's it. I, what do I say, I'll do like a show naked? Well, I'll eat like two full pizzas. So far his agent just said something ridiculous like, uh, "Well, we are pleased that Mr. Bauer has been reinstated immediately, we disagree that any discipline should have been imposed. Mr. Bauer looks forward to his return to the field where his goal remains to help his team win a World Series. (laughs) That's a hell of a statement. Notice how she didn't say where his goal remains to help the Dodgers win a World Series? Did you notice that little thing? Most players, when they sign, that's their statement. I can't wait to return to the Dodgers to help them win a World Series, to help them win their next World Series. No, no, to help his team. Don't know which team it is. It could be the California Penal League, but God dang it, I am gonna make sure that my client helps a team win the World Series. It may be the World Series of golf. It could be the World Series of pickleball. It could be the World Series of douchebaggery. Who knows? It's just the World Series. God, that's quite a statement. How about just saying it? I know he's not gonna be a, that would be a statement from an agent that I'd love. I know that my player is about to be released because he has burned, gone scorched earth in the Dodgers clubhouse. But I guarantee you that we have teams interested because, side note, do you think his agent, they don't all have to not be Scott Boris, right? You can spend your time calling teams while he's suspended, taking their temperature, seeing who's interested. Steve, what about Steve Cohn? Would he ever do it? I mean, people are saying Mets, 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 Mets. Steve Cohn has some issues, as you know, when he took over the team. I don't know if you recall these because no one cares because he's a rich owner. No one cares because he's signing players left, right, and center. Anyone remember any of the reasons why Steve Cohn may or may not have been approved as an owner of Major League Baseball? Anyone want to Google little workplace misconduct? Anyone interested in that? You think that Steve Cohn is going to come close to signing Trevor Bauer? you guys must be my sugar. He did have a quote about a year ago, though. I'm willing for the right deals and right free agents to go get the players we need. We want to be competitive, Steve Cohn said. We want to win our division and be in the playoffs, get deep into the playoffs. Whatever they need. I mean, he's done that, right? Whatever the Mets need, they want, they get. They could use more pitching. Don't get me wrong. I don't know that Trevor Bauer is anything more than a four-starter at best. He could be a seven-starter. But Steve Cohn and his background, not going to happen. But there are owners out there who are willing to float the trial balloon. Check it out. This is where MLB gets involved. Do you think that when Barry Bonds was upset that he was not getting signed or Alex Rodriguez was upset that he was not getting signed or Barry Bonds was upset that he wasn't playing or coaching – Do you think that baseball was involved? Hmm. I don't know. That'd be strange, wouldn't it? Why would you pick on those two guys? We'll see what happens. Sure as hell going to be interesting. For once, the Dodgers or any team had a great response to this. The Dodgers had a statement they released... We have just been informed of the arbitrator's ruling. Not true. They knew about it way before the rest of the public did. We have just been informed of the arbitrator's ruling and will comment as soon as practical. Now, practical, right? There's definition. Coca, hold on. We're not live, right? Uh, let me just, let me see if I can get this. This is going to be good. I'm going to try to give, I mean, I have to put my glasses on, but I'm going to try to read to you the definition of Practical of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than with theory and ideas. Hmm. So it's actual, not theoretical. Well, they know exactly. There is no more, right? Before the arbitrator rules, any sort of speculation about Trevor Bauer, that is theoretical. Once there's a ruling, it's no longer theoretical. You're now practical. As soon as practical is right now unless you're referring to the fact that you couldn't reach your crisis PR team, unless you're referring to the fact that MLB didn't give you enough time to come up with a plan or a comment, that's not true. This was always known. The do- What do you think, I'm the only one? I'm a genius? When I said 120 to 200 games, like somehow I had information that the Dodgers didn't have? Just been in the game a long time. So Stan Caston and Andrew Friedman. They definitely knew that a suspension of 194 games was not just possible but likely to me it's as soon as practical to know what to do the minute it happens show me that you were planned show me that you were prepared make your move but wait let's get back to mlb what would the advantage be of not releasing trevor bauer until close to spring training hmm. you don't pay any money to a player until the regular season starts if you've got room on your roster, you can put him on your roster and just sit there. He's not suspended. Spring training hasn't started. He doesn't have to go on the winter caravan. Only the media circus starts when you report for spring training. There's no more winter meetings. No more GM meetings. There's owners meetings coming up, but if you're Stan Caster or Mark Walters, you can just avoid it. Avoid the press, not talk to them. Andrew Friedman could do the same. Give teams less time. Give him less time to shop himself. Wow, that would be interesting if they did not release him until closer to the regular season. But maybe they say, we have information now from all 29 teams. He's not going anywhere. Ah, We'll release him now. Let him try. Let's not give him another reason to be litigious. Let's release him. Let him try to sign with another team. But oh no, what if he alleges that he was told that all teams were told not to sign him? That would be very bad. How's he going to prove that? You think Rob Manfred sent an email? It's not how it works. You think there's a paper trail? Uh-uh. Come on, what do you think, we're stupid? Don't answer that. As Steve Cohn is sitting here deciding what to do, it's day three of the post-Carlos Correa Armageddon by the bay. When the lights go down in the city... And Correa leaves the Bay. What happened? Some articles were written yesterday. I just want to mention a few of them. Great job by The Athletic putting together stories about the impact of the Correa signing, the impact of Steve Cohn's actions on Major League Baseball. We told you during our show, whenever it was, Coco, was it two days ago or one day ago, when Correa signed, that there is going to be fallout. I explain to you as a member of management, as a member of a small market team, but understanding large markets, large revenue teams, when you've got a team like the Mets, great for the fans, they're so happy, right? Matt and Scott are jumping for joy, I get it. Mets fans everywhere, this is terrific. But there is a ripple effect for what Steve Cohn has done. And out came a bunch of quotes from a bunch of wussy executives who would not put their name to it. Yes, I used to be one of them. Sometimes I put my name to stuff, too often according to our owner, too often according to the commissioners. But sometimes, nah, it's just a source. longtime executive, that's what I like to be called. When I, Until I wasn't, when I was short-time, it was current MLB executive. High-ranking MLB executive, not official. High-ranking MLB official is generally someone in the commissioner's office. An MLB executive is someone who works for teams. Sometimes when you want to do a bait and switch and not leave any sort of scent they can get past their editor it's a high-ranking MLB official even when it's an MLB executive it's close enough it's gray I would now only be quoted as a former long-time MLB executive that's all the GMs and presidents who are not in the game anymore who used to be in the game who have been in the game for a long time a one-time major league executive does not mean a long time that means that they were in the game for a month and a half and had a cup of coffee a one-time Major League Baseball player, and you look at his sheet, wow, we got 14 at-bats. So look very carefully the way sources are how they're labeled. It's labeled for a reason. So the reason why you're not seeing actual names associated with some of these quotes about how bad Steve Cohn is for baseball is that MLB as an industry and the commissioner's office specifically, they are not prepared right now to put names behind issues the way the NFL was with Jim Irsay, and the daniel snyder situation right there's stages to what to do and there is no set answer that they have of how they're going to deal with steve Cohn because there's nothing they can do right now one of the uh officials and this person was called an official with another team told the athletic i think it's going to have consequences for him speaking of steve Cohn down the road there's no collusion But there was a reason nobody for years ever went past 300 million. You still have partners and there's a system. That quote has gotten a heck of a lot of attention, and I want to address it. We know the payroll of every other team, we get a document that shows what the payroll is once the season has started. We don't get their budgeted payroll. Because then you could take advantage of a team when you know a team has to cut payroll. That means they've got a player who is av- who must get traded or released. Although release doesn't count if no one picks them up, as we talked about earlier in the show, because then you're still paying the full salary. So the MLB will not disclose to teams who's cutting payroll, who's raising payroll, but they have it in front of them. All 30 teams submit their budget for the upcoming year to Major League Baseball. It's all done under the theory of estimating revenue sharing, both payments and receipts. So teams have an idea of the amount of revenue sharing that they are going to pay and the revenue sharing that they are going to receive. These are estimates. I came to learn in Major League Baseball that every single team lies when they submit their budget, their early season budget to Major League Baseball, because... They don't want to show as much revenue as they're going to have. They want to show high expenses, higher expenses than they're going to have because they want to show that they are giving less revenue sharing into the system. Why? Because if you know as a revenue sharing recipient that you are getting more revenue sharing than you thought, all of a sudden you have more money available for payroll, you are therefore competing for free agents with these large payroll large market teams. If I knew that our payroll could be $30 million higher because of money we're getting in revenue sharing, I'm going to go out and compete for a $30 million player with teams who can just sign a $30 million player. They don't like that. Big teams don't like that. Then there's another revenue sharing estimation once the season starts. And you're like, wow, that's cool. We're going to get more money than we thought. Damn, it's too late. No players we can sign. Let's see what the dreck is on waivers. See, we can get at the trade deadline if we're in it, but we're probably out of it already. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in Major League Baseball as it relates to how these teams are put together. Trust me, it's a whole thing. So Major League Baseball has all these sheets. They don't share anything about the other teams. They only share your estimates. They share then as the season starts. You start to see stuff from the other teams. You start to see their season ticket numbers. You start to see their revenue numbers, their gate revenue. You start to see where they're headed. Hmm, interesting. I wonder whether Major League Baseball would have any sort of talk with a team saying, do not go over $300 million. No! No! The reason why they agreed to the Steve Cohn tax of $293 million is that the thought of a team going over that amount, they thought it would be the Dodgers. They thought it would be the Mets, and that's it at most. They were okay with the Mets going to the Steve Cohn level. They didn't think he'd go over because it was such a horrific penalty of 75% of every dollar you spend over it. If you do it two years in a row, 90% of every dollar you spend over it but they need to look no further than the NBA where there are teams that go over the tax all the time and they pay dollar for dollar very often. You sign a player for $5 million, that's a $10 million player all of a sudden. Is that a deterrent? For some owners, yes. When you have a business that's now trading at seven instead of 20, you're going to pay attention to luxury tax. I'm talking about Carnival and Mickey Harrison. He's always paid attention to luxury tax, just like luxury liners but there was no collusion. There was no even unwritten or unsaid thing about the $300 million level. Think about it. How many teams are even close to that? What do you think? He sits down with the Guardians and the Royals and the Marlins and says, listen, try to stay below the Steve Cohn level tax. It's laughable. They weren't even going to be close. There's no set of projections that has them even close. You've got teams like the Cardinals, the Red Sox. They're not going to get there. Cubs, no. They were never going to get to $300 million. So this quote, this official said, there was a reason nobody ever went past $300 million, not accurate. A different executive said, our sport feels broken now. We've got somebody with three times the median payroll and has no care whatsoever for the long term of any of these contracts in terms of the risks associated with any of them. Excuse me. That's been going on for, wait for it, 10 years. When we were looking at signing pools in 2012. Ah, don't worry about the last few years of the deal and we're just the Marlins. Mariners signed Robinson Cano. Ah, I didn't think he'd put a needle in his butt twice, but hey, he's going to be old when this is done. Forget it. Cincinnati Reds. We got to keep Joey Votto. We got to keep him. Got to have him. He's going to get old. He's so nice though, but he's going to get old. Ah, don't worry about it. That's the Reds. That's the Mariners. That's the Marlins. Come on. You're telling me that the sport feels broken now because you've got one crazy outlier? It's like the East German judge in speed skating. You just disregard it. Take away the lowest. Take away the highest. Talk to me. What do we got? What's the band? Are we comfortable with that band of payroll? (laughs) Owners are trying to figure out do they need to deal with Steve Cohn? Do they not need to deal with Steve Cohn? Listen to me now and hear me later. If Steve Cohn doesn't win this year, there were people, I was on the radio yesterday, and there was some speculation that there will be teams rooting for Steve Cohn to win a bunch of rings in a row. So that shows the economic disparity. It shows what an unfair playing field it is. It will lead to change within baseball. I have a different view. If he wins five rings in a row, you've got. Owners were going to say, Christ, we better do that because we really want to win rings. What baseball is rooting for is that Steve Cohn and the Mets don't even make the playoffs because then the owners look and say, Look, you idiot, you just lost $200 million over six months for nothing. You're sitting here with the rest of us. Keep doing it. You can only sign 26 guys. Get yourself another one. Take Otani next year give him $500, give him $600 million, give him $100 million a year for four years. Do it. Keep going. Keep paying into that luxury tax. People have asked me questions recently, a lot of people actually, about luxury tax, because there's this talk of Steve Cohen paying $111 million, wondering where it goes and how it works. I just wanted to make it very clear how it works because there's some confusion because this is part of the collective bargaining agreement. 50% of all luxury tax goes for the player investment plan and 50% of luxury tax goes into a special discretionary fund. Guess who gets to have the discretion? The commissioner. Guess who gets the money from that discretionary fund? Wait for it. Any team that receives revenue sharing that can grow their attendance and revenue over a multi-year period, they are eligible to receive 50% of the money in this fund that's created with all the luxury tax that's paid. The Players Association love that. They want teams to grow attendance. They want teams to grow revenue. They want teams to be rewarded for growing attendance and revenue. They want teams to have higher payrolls. If teams get paid money from the Mets, let's say with their $111 million tax, if teams receive that, they're likely going to use that not to pay down debt. They're going to use that to add payroll. So the Players Association is very happy about that. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Who's going to get the Mets money and what they're going to do with it? The CBA actually has within it, if you read it, and this is a quote from the CBA, the commissioner will provide the players association with a written statement as part of the consultation process regarding the factors that are to be considered in making a distribution to a club the commissioner will utilize best efforts it should have said reasonable best efforts in a hint whenever you're looking at a contract don't ever agree to do best efforts always say reasonable best efforts because best efforts is a level of um what is the word "cocoa"? when you really have to do something like you can't pretend you're doing it like when you agree to do best efforts it means that you are totally doing the best you can reasonable best efforts is hey i couldn't find a pair of pants that fit best efforts you got to go to like 20 stores sorry off the subject it didn't say that in the cba the commissioner will utilize best efforts to distribute all of the sums in the fund each year provided there are a sufficient number of clubs in his discretion that merit a distribution from this fund so teams like the Marlins, if I know I'm trying to grow my attendance, right, I can do that not just through announcement, but I can give tickets away and I can find a way to grow my attendance, I'm trying to grow my net to find local revenue, which means I'm trying to raise my prices for corporate sponsorships, et cetera, impre- increase the, the price of a hot dog, whatever I have to do, because I want access to Steve Cohn's money. So, that money is going to be distributed at least 50% of his $100 million, assuming he's the only one paying the tax, which he's not. There could be six teams paying the tax, but it's going to be a significant amount of money. All right. We got to take a break. We come back. We're going to review a new movie with Timothy Chalamet. We'll be right back.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R A M P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and for going to the YouTube channel. Hit and subscribe as we head down toward the end of the year. We're back with the show Monday. We will be live on Monday. We'll have another f- show for you at the end of next week, and then we'll see you after the new year. We'll have an announcement Monday, coca right? Do we have an announcement Monday about what we're doing when we come back from the new year? It's going to be pretty cool. I promise you that. Okay, I watched Bones and All. Did you know Timothy Chalamet's sister is one of the girls in The Sex Life of College Girls? That show on HBO Max that I've watched both seasons of? She's the one who sort of is the one who has to work at Sips at that coffee store. She's with all the good-looking guys all the time. Yeah, that's Timothy Chalamet's sister. Anyway, Timothy Chalamet is in a new movie, and he's in a movie with the with the girl from uh, Coca. It's the movie you told me to watch called Waves, and I can't remember her name at the moment. But I know you have it off the top of your head because you told me. Ah, Taylor Russell, Taylor Russell, and Timothy Chalamet star in this strange movie. Here's how it works: these people um, are cannibals, like sort of Zombie Land, but they're not zombies. They're regular people. And there are some guest stars in here, the most notable of which is Michael Stahlberg, who you may have seen in things like Your Honor, or things of that nature. I forgot one of his great movies was uh, a serious man. And uh, he explains to us that bones and all is when you eat somebody bones and all, not just the flesh. And that is the ultimate happiness for these people. It sounds like it's some sort of horror movie, it's not. It sounds like it's a disgusting gross movie, it's not. It sounds like it's a movie about cannibalism, it's not. This is actually a drama, a romantic drama with occasional doses of comedy, very serious themes that play throughout the movie, the Script is phenomenal. The screenplay is outstanding. Timothy Chalamet may be the best young actor we have right now, and we've loved him since Love the Coopers. He's the one, Call Me By Your Name. I believe the director of Bones and All also directed Call Me By Your Name, but I may have made that up. Bones and All is gonna be there come Oscar time. You may wanna check it out. Uh, Don't worry about the cannibal thing. It's sort of gross from time to time, but it's not like slasher gross. It's not scary. It's not that they hide behind other people and start eating them. It's the story of two people who find each other and try to figure out what to do and how to to deal with the reality of their life, which is they eat people. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Did you watch last night's game? Did you know we had the Jaguars plus one and a half against the Jets? Did you realize how silly it was for the Jets to be favored when they were pitching, when they had Zach Wilson as their quarterback? Can we just talk for one second about Zach Wilson? I believe he was one of the top quarterbacks taken. Coco, wasn't he taken with the number two pick one year recently? He's still under contract for two more years. He lost his job to a guy who went to university school with my daughter in Florida, Mike White who is so popular with the players, such a great quarterback, but is he the quarterback of their future? Is Zach Wilson the quarterback of their future? Don't they need a quarterback of their present? The coach talked to us, Robert Saleh, about keeping receipts, because we're gonna be good, we are good, I'm keeping track of who doesn't like us. If you watch that game, you realize, my God, without a quarterback, they're totally screwed. They can't move the ball. So what do you do? Do you keep throwing out Zach Wilson? Do you pray to God Mike White's ribs get fixed? Do you throw out Joe Flacco? No. How about a trade? What about all the quarterbacks available next year? Do you start again? What about drafting? Start over. Just draft a new guy. Top quarterback in the draft. Take him. Could be that guy from Kentucky, right? Who knows who it'll be? No. No. You're Woody Johnson with the Jets. You've got to get an experienced quarterback. How about trading for Derek Carr? How about signing Baker Mayfield? Is that an upgrade? How crappy is it to know that you have a quarterback situation you have to deal with, which is why owners sign these quarterbacks to these deals that you look at and say, my God, those seem irrational. But to worry about the quarterback position is like in baseball, There is nothing like it in baseball because if you don't have a good first baseman, just have power and production from the left side of your infield or from another position. If you don't have a number one pitcher, get yourself four number threes. Get yourself eight number threes. You can't win in the NFL without a good quarterback. Now, don't tell me about when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl and Peyton Manning was mediocre, but their defense was so good that they won the Super Bowl. I get it. It can happen. Unicorns do exist. The Jets got to figure out what to do. It's not going to be Zach Wilson. Nothing. Personal pick of the day. So we won it. We're 152 and 124. We're H-O-Triple-T. We lost the Rams-Packers game Monday, but I think we've won a bunch since then. 152 and 124. All right, we got three picks for you. Pay attention. These are the last three of the year, maybe. I may do a pick Monday for Monday's show, for Tuesday, but this could be it. Tonight, I'm going to watch the Knicks play the Bulls. I'm very interested with the Bulls. Very interested what's going on there. I'm having some sort of flashbacks to running a team. They have two players. Their two stars are DeRozan and Levine. Have you watched them? They're both signed. I think Levine just signed like a a five-year, $300 million deal or something totally crazy. Like it was huge, the maximum. They traded for DeRozan. Two stars are supposed to be great. Apparently, they don't like each other on the court. They have a good relationship off the court, but it's beginning to fray. What do you do when your two superstars don't like each other? Listen to me now and hear me later. If it's Shaq and Kobe, you keep playing because those are championship winning players. They're winning titles while not liking each other. There is no team where all players like each other. If you have two superstars and they don't like each other, you teach them to coexist if you're winning. If you're not winning the way the Bulls are not winning, they're below 500, having a very disappointing season, you got to get rid of one of them. It's a pretty simple rule when you're running a team. You all want to fight, that's great. You better win or you're going to be packing your bags. I want to say boxes. Four, six, nine. If you're not winning, one of you is going. Totally up to you. Shaq and Kobe, none of them wanted to leave LA because they were winning. So basically, if you have two stars who are fighting, you sit down with them. You sit down with them individually. Then you get them together in a room with a therapist, with the team psychologist, and you say, WTF, what are we doing here, guys? I don't care if you don't want to have beers together. I don't care if you're upset with the coach. I don't care if you're upset with the system. We're not winning. We got great football Saturday and Sunday. It's gonna be so cold. Be careful out there. Look for black ice, freezing rain, freezing ice, snow, wind. God, it's bad. B-A-Triple-D. But we're every day closer. Every time you go to bed, we're one night closer to the summer solstice. Saturday, we got the Niners playing the Commanders. Commanders are making news again. They always make news. Niners, touchdown over Commanders. I'm on the birdie train, P-per-die train. train. <laughs> Hi, David Sampson. I'm on the Purdy train. Niners minus seven over commanders on Saturday. Sunday, I'm doing something outrageous. Haven't done it all year. It could be the last pick of the year, and there's a reason for it. I'm going with Russell Wilson. I want to make the Broncos feel better about what could be the single worst trade in signing in the history of sports. I'm off the I'm off the hook. The whole Cabrera thing, I'm done. 2012, done. Herschel Walker trade, done. The Russell Wilson trade from Seattle to Denver may be the worst traded team has ever done, and that's on behalf of the Broncos. And then on top of that, they extended him. He's horrible. But I want to end 2022, I want to end it on a nice note. I want to say to Russell Wilson, I've got you, man. You're getting points from the Super Bowl champion Rams. You're only getting two and a half. How could I not take the Rams minus two and a half? I'm not losing on the Rams two weeks in a row. I'll tell you that. Russell Wilson, you're charitable. You're nice. Never met you. Don't know one thing about you. You're simply overpaid. But we're taking the Broncos plus two and a half versus the Rams. Broncos, two and a half over the Rams. Niners, seven over the Commanders. Knicks, five and a half over the Bulls. God, what a week of news it's been. Thank you for being with me every step of the way. Crazy week in baseball, crazy week in other sports. Seems like a month ago we had the World Cup, doesn't it? We'll come back Monday for another show. Have a very Merry Christmas. Be safe. Happy Hanukkah. Have a great weekend. It's just business. This is nothing personal.